Radio TFS number 14, PDC Highlights. I'm Mickey Gousset, and I want to welcome my other two co-hosts, Paul Hacker. Hey, Paul. Hey, Mickey. And as always, Martin Woodward, the guy that makes all this stuff come together. What's going on, Martin? Hey there, Mickey. How you doing? I've been having computer nightmares recently, so uh, let's just hope this is all recording properly. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, we hope that all of our listeners enjoyed our Road to PDC podcast road that to, we put road out to there. Rosario. Road to Rosario. Thank you. It's the alliteration. Road to Rosario podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. that we put out there. And today we would kind of want to touch on some of the stuff that came out of PDC, and we'll probably have some other episodes where we delve into specific issues in a little more detail. But before we do that, I want to do the segment that we've never named, but that I like to call Find Out What My Co-Hosts Have Been Up To. So, Martin, what have you been up to? Well, we've been pretty busy, and um, we were getting ready for PDC. Um, so Brian Harry, during his lap around Team System talk, he actually, uh, as part of that, he demoed um, Team Prize talking to uh, TFS 2010. So um, yeah, that was you know a fair bit of work getting making sure that got together in time, um, and you know playing with and playing with the latest bits, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then apart from that, I've been having all sorts of computer issues. So uh, I had one computer die and then another computer die and blah, blah, blah. So, But I've um, ordered myself a nice shiny new, shiny new one of those MacBook, 15, MacBook Pro 15-inch jobs. You know, they are, that's on its way to me from Cupertino. So uh, obviously I'll put Windows 7 on it or Vista on it or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that should be good. That's what you say. Oh, I'll tell you what as well. During um, PDC, remember my uh, Brian the Build Bunny, the video I, I did? Was, I was going to bring that up, but I'll let you talk about it. That. Yes, I do. So um, I submitted um, – I was meant, supposed to be going to PDC and Team Prize were there. So I, I'd submitted uh, Brian the Build Bunny video. as um, There's a competition uh, called Show Off, and basically people get to you know send cool things in. And I thought, oh, I'll send Brian in because it's a nice little video, even though it's not – you know, I didn't think it was that particularly impressive. Um, and anyway, he won first place. It was, <laughs> it was amazing. Voted for by the audience at PDC, which I was very happy with. And considering the competition, I mean, there were things like um, there was a smart clipboard viewer in Visual Studio, which is really cool because you could like copy VB code and paste it as C sharp, or you know, copy C sharp and paste as VB, and all sorts of things. And um, something somebody else did, like a, a, I don't know, a bajillion. 1080p projectors all like pointing at a completely uh, 180 panorama wall and then hook that up um, individually individual computers were driving each projector and hook them all up to virtual earth and displayed like this huge 180 panorama of virtual earth and that that got third place <laughs> hey i've seen the brian i've seen the brian build bunny video and that was a pretty darn good video i especially loved the sped up martin woodward writing on the whiteboard <laughs> so that's cool well hopefully it puts some of the fun back into team foundation server as well because you know it, it's not it, it's not the uh most exciting of topics sometimes it can be a bit dry so hopefully uh hopefully people got a bit of fun out of that so that's good what about you paul what have you been doing so what have i been up to i've been up to some uh virtual uh user group visual studio team system hyphen ve.com the virtual user group uh, and Second Life, and I've been working with fellow MVP Dave McKinstry, and so that's really what I've been focusing on is uh, I did a presentation there last month, and uh, other than that, I did Indie Tech Fest. I did a couple presentations there, one with uh, 
um, uh, the Rosario bits, uh, not the latest CTP, but the one before that. So um, actually it was more of a slide show than it was anything else because the VPC tended to choke a little bit. Um, <laughs> but that happens, you know what I mean? But everybody loved it. It was a great – I had enough I had enough screenshots to show actually what I was going to demo anyway. So they got to see a lot of the really cool things like Camino and things like that. So um, that's been about it, just uh, kind of laying low lately. I heard a lot of good feedback from your session there, Paul. I, I saw quite a few – blog posts and twitter posts about it we should probably mention we're all we're all on twitter aren't we soon i am twitter.com slash martin woodward and you are mickey i'm twitter.com slash mickey goose all one word and paul can you put that in the show notes i'll put that in the show notes sweet and i'm pj hacker cool so what have you been up to then mickey well let's see i have been asked to speak at the you know msdn is going around to several different cities now and and doing mini PDCs, a yeah. day-long conference. And I've been asked to speak at the Atlanta, Georgia one, December 16th, oh. uh, on the Lap Around Visual Studio 2010. So oh, I'll, be oh. taking this, I'll be taking the same material that they presented at PDC and getting to present that in Atlanta. So I'm pretty I'm stoked doing it in about Chicago. that. Sweet. That's awesome. So I was I was pretty excited about that. My my developer evangelist emailed me and asked me if I'd be interested, and I was like, "Sure, that'd be great." So I've got that coming up that I'm kind of excited about. I have acquired a Zune, so I'm I'm now realizing how awesome it is that Zunes will automatically download your podcast for you. Then of course, Radio TFS is right up there at the top. Doesn't the album art look pretty in a Zune? Yes, it does. Yes, <laughs> it does. And my my biggest other non um, team system thing I've got going on is I'm trying to decide on a new phone. I've got to get a new cell phone. So my choices are, do I go with the iPhone or do I get the newest Samsung that just came out? Not the Blackjack 2, but the successor to the Blackjack 2. And my big, my big, what's making me iffy on getting an iPhone is I can't tether. So if we have any listeners out there who'd like to give me their opinion on whether to go with the, the Blackjack or the iPhone, you can email us at radiotfs at gmail.com, and I would love to get any feedback that you might have. And remember, you can if subscribe to this podcast at radiotfs.com. I also want to throw out woodwoodweb.com and tfstimes.com, Martin and Paul's sites, as well as teamsystemrocks.com. Well, let's talk about PDC. I know that all three of us did not get to go to PDC, which, you know, kind of sucks, but that's life. But one of the cool things I thought about PDC this year is all of the sessions were available on Channel 9 within 24 hours after they were given. And good quality, not- too. Yeah, no, the, uh, the quality was superb, especially like the way you had the slides and the, um, you know, the little video cutout. It was brilliant. So you have the ability, if you go to Channel 9, you can see all of the sessions that were done at PDC, and you can watch specifically all the team system sessions that were, that were shown at PDC. What really is exciting is the new architecture stuff that's coming out. Um, that um, we 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 did the show on that, but also it was shown at PDC, and and that's the stuff that really kind of is intriguing me right now. And I'm looking at that and the um, and the um, the team lab skew. Um, I'm really excited about um, those are the two things from the PDC that I wish I would have had the opportunity. And I haven't watched the videos yet, so I, I can't really talk to them too much, but. Um, those are the things I really would have liked to have seen in action. Well, let me lay a little groundwork. Microsoft has released the official name. It's It was codenamed Rosario, but now it's called Microsoft Visual Studio Team System 2010. So that's the official name. 
you take from that what you want as far as when you think it's going to come out. I've got no comment one way or the other. But it is going to be called Team System 2010. And at PDC, they also released the latest community tech preview. So you can go download the latest community tech preview right now and start looking at all of the stuff and emulating all the stuff that they do in these videos. Just a quick uh, um, warning there on the CTP. Uh, Brian Keller's got a blog post about it, but um, when you first fire it up, you'll see a few you know, activation warnings and things, and uh, basically ignore them. But um, you know, They cause a bit of panic <laughs> when we first saw them. But yeah, uh, just ignore them really. And uh, we'll send you a link in the show notes to Brian Keller's blog post that explains it all and explains what the limitations are. But what you're going to want to do is have that CTP and you know keep like switch on undo disks or keep a copy of it, run it for a bit, and you probably want to roll back to the version that you downloaded every now and then as you play with it. And what if I want to run it in Hyper-V? Funnily enough, uh, our um, our esteemed uh, former MVP colleague Grant Holiday, um, he's done a blog post about about how to do that as well. So we'll put that in the show notes. Um, it's pretty easy. You just you know convert it and stuff. Uh, but no, he um, we're hopefully going to be interviewing Grant soon as well because Grant's now doing the uh, he help he works on the team that manages the TFS servers inside Microsoft, what they call their dog food servers, you know, because they eat their own dog food. Um, and Grant's agreed to, to do an interview with us soon. So uh, we'll, we'll bring that to you in the next few weeks, hopefully. And if you've listened to our Road to Rosario podcast, we hit a lot of the things that you're also going to see in the CTP and that you'll see in some of the videos that are available. But on the CTP, there are there are walkthroughs to walk you through all the cool stuff. So like Paul was saying, all the cool new architecture tools. I mean, I am not, if you listen to the architecture podcast, I am not an architecture guy. I'm not an architecture tools guy. But after sitting down and playing with those tools for a while, I can really see the, the usefulness of, of the use case modeling and, and all the other modeling tools that are going to be available to you. It's really, this really is version three of our product and it really is going to have some, some nice, great things to help people write better code. i tell you what, for me, um, it was quite frightening and awe-inspiring at the same time. You know, when the CTP arrived and all these things that we'd been talking about and seeing in slides for so long, actually you can, you know, sit down and play with. And you realize that this is just, 2010 is a huge release. It's massive. There's so much stuff in there. And it's not just, I mean, there's lots of features in Team Foundation Server itself. And as we're called Radio TFS, we probably should talk about some of them. But there's, you know, loads of TFS features, and which scares me because I've got to go, you know, help write those in Java now. <laughs> but, but there's then there's there's also the um, there's so much stuff going on in the clients. So as well as the architecture skew, there's um, oh yeah, the the database, the DB Pro skew. That's been announced now that it's merging with a developer skew. I think we covered that when we when we talked to Habib. Um, but yeah, that, they're going to be merged together, and that combined skew—that's incredible value now. You know, that's really that's a, a really big. It's got a lot of stuff there, hasn't it? And then let there's me, the ob- me, sorry. I was going to say, let me point out, and we've pointed this out before, but that's um, backwards compatible. So what I mean by that is, right now, if you're using Visual Studio Team System 2008 Development Edition or Database Edition, you now get the other one for free. So if you've got one of them right now, you have the ability to go download the other one and start using both of them right now at no extra charge. And let me actually add on to that a little bit, if I could, Mickey. Um, I just did a talk in Chicago, and I actually have done two talks so far on, on the database dev skew combination. And um, the questions I'm always getting from people are, 
what if I have um, Visual Studio 2005? Can I, am I still eligible for this? And the answer to that is it depends um, on whether or not you have the um, software assurance agreement. If you have a software assurance agreement and you're running uh, 2005, um, you're able to get the other uh, edition um, as part of that. So software assurance, as well as like purchasing it, um, an MSDN universal agreement is also software assurance, as I understand it. Right. Correct. So if you've got an MSDN, if you're not MSDN, you're aware of it is now. MSDN with Team System Premium or whatever. Premium or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. That's software assurance. <laughs> as well as actually you can buy software assurance from Microsoft. You know, your company can when they buy a bunch of licenses. I think some of the coolest thing that people are going to find with this product is, yes, there's so much stuff. There's so much new stuff coming in and so many changes that it's it's almost like, in my mind, I sometimes look at the 2008 product versus what's coming in the 2010, and I go, wow, in some ways they're completely different. But all of it is stuff that you're going to want to use. I mean, all the changes that have been made around testing, this, this product is really geared toward helping, toward really solving the testing problem in my mind. So, do you guys hear I, yeah. about what they're going to do with Kameno? Is Kameno going to be ever available as standalone, or is it going to be packaged in as part of the tester SKU only? So just, uh, I mean, we, we mentioned Kameno again, you know, in some of the uh, the earlier shows, but we never really recapped exactly what Kameno is. So you want, do you want to describe that first, Paul? Yeah, um, okay. So Kameno is basically the test, um, the test runner window that, um, um, not the test runner window, but the test window for uh, managing and planning your testing and test case management. Um, it's a standalone, it's not an actual SKU, it's, it's standalone. And it works along with the tester SKU, if I'm correct in, in that. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's so, a non-Visual Studio interface for. It's actually a WPF interface. Yeah, it is. Yeah, which is pretty pretty cool. It, it but yes, it is slick, standalone. Yeah. So so and I and I keep I, and I haven't heard and, and I've been reading about it, but I haven't read anything that said whether or not how people are going to get it because I could see testers really taking advantage of using that tool. Um, but not say for you know having having the Visual Studio bits installed on their machine, for example. When we were talking to uh, James on the show, I think it was the show we broadcast last, yeah, number thirteen, Lucky Thirteen. Um, he was he seemed to be indicating that they weren't um, you know they weren't completely sure exactly what was going to happen with that if it was going to be standalone or or if it was going to be part of you know part of the main product. Um, I think it's a, a a case of getting feedback from the community how they use it how manual testers, you know, how real testers, as real-world testers actually react to the Kameno tool um, and then feed that back and, you know, take that back into the product and see what they're going to do. So I think it's stay tuned, Paul. Okay, that sounds good because I know that our, our, our listeners are going to be asking that and especially our tester listeners, they're going to want to get their hands on that. So, so you tester listeners out there, like Martin just said, you know, get out there, play with it and, and give feedback on the tool um, so you can help drive the direction of how that's going to end up releasing one day, maybe. So I'd be interested in some of y'all's thoughts on what you think or what's sparked your interest as far as what's coming down the pipe as far as Team Foundation Server. I know that it's got a, a really agile – they've really focused on agile teams with this next release. They've got all kind of spreadsheets for doing reporting. They've updated the work item tracking system where it does some really cool stuff where you can right-click on a – uh, and, and say, go generate me some reports, and it generates these eight different reports for you in Excel, which, I mean, just tons of cool information. The work item tracking system is going to have Oracle work items now. 
What's some of the stuff that's coming that I haven't already babbled out that that y'all have seen that's really exciting you? So from uh, okay, go on, sorry, Paul. Oh, oh, that's okay. I said dashboarding. Some of the new dashboarding features are really slick. Do you want to explain that bit a bit to me, Paul? Because I've I've heard that it's got dashboards in, but I don't really know. Is that is that something that's built in SharePoint, or is it only if you've got maps, or how does it work? It's funny how you met. It, it's actually. Um, more along the lines of the web access interface. They're kind of, my feeling, and this is just a personal feeling from what I've seen, is that they've, they're moving away from the dashboarding in SharePoint and moving it more to a web-based dashboarding like we would see with uh, uh, the um, web access tool. So imagine having the web access tool with, with like web parts in there for, um, for the dash, personal dashboarding things. So depending on where you're at, if you look at uh, portfolio, um, project portfolio manager, or whatever that, that tool's called, you know what I'm talking about? Um, uh, project portfolio server, part, project portfolio server. It has some dashboarding capabilities and these the dashboarding, um, that's coming in, um, 2010 will look a lot like that. Where if I'm a PM, I'll see specific, um, I'll see specific dashboards that relate to me as a PM. And if I'm a tester, I will see things like test pass, how many tests failed? How many bugs do we have? Things like that. So uh, where where like the PM or the BA, they may see like budgetary type of dashboarding. Uh, how or how how well is the project going right now? Are we on time? Are we? Uh, but it's all focused again on on more of that web based look than it is in the SharePoint. Cool. Again, which fits in with project managers. You know, we want to be don't really want to be in Visual Studio all the time. Right. So from, exactly. from my point of view, I mean, there's. One of the things about TFS 2010 for me, it's amazing how um, how similar it is, but also how different you know it is in, in terms of architectures and stuff. So um, they've introduced this notion of uh, project collections, and that's actually in the CTP, but it's kind of hidden a bit. If you if you fire up the um, there's an there's a new MMC snapping for managing Team Foundation Server, and if you fire that up, then you can actually see these pro- You know, you can see a project collection, and the one that you can see that you talk to that's on the CTP is the default one. But you can actually, it seems like, you can actually create new project collections. And a project collection is what we currently think of today as a Team Foundation server instance. You know what I mean? It's a, a bunch of team projects and work items and change sets that all start at one and go up to, you know, a, a bajillion um, sequentially. Um, but you can't... Yeah, you know, and you've got those um, in your in your Team Foundation server, which is what's going to be known as a project collection. But um, TFS will be able to host multiple project collections on one Team Foundation server. So you'd be able to move um, a project from one project collection into another, back up a project collection, you know, archive it off TFS, that sort of thing. Um, there's also the capabilities being put in there to have multiple application tiers now serving your TFS instance. So you can now get, you know, go to Cisco or whatever and buy a big IP sprayer and um, sit a bunch of Team Foundation server application tiers behind that and then have your database and have a big clustered, you know, big daddy database behind that still. And then now you've got a huge, resilient TFS instance that can really scale and can handle lots of people. So that was pretty That amazing. is so awesome. That yeah. is so When I saw branch visualization, I thought, oh, yeah, branch visualization, pretty pictures. But no, it's 
you can do stuff with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like, oh, oh no, it's more than just pictures. You can actually, you know, merge from it and create new branches from it. And branches are now first-class citizens. Um, you know, they appear with a different icon rather than the folders. It's yeah. I think this. I think this release of TFS is gonna you know blow a lot of people's minds away because it it really helps people who do a lot of branch and merge type functionality but it's not making it frightening you know the problem with branches and merges is they can be quite scary to people but it makes it a lot more approachable and a lot easier just like the architecture tools make architecture more approachable the branch merge tools in 2010 really to me are making branching and merging a lot more approachable to you know to non-scm geeks um so no i think that's going to be a huge win for them Awesome. Well, hey, I just thought of something I want to throw out there to our listeners. I want our listeners to tell to tell us by emailing us at radiotfs at gmail.com if we could get anyone on the podcast related to Team System to, to come talk to us, who would it be? Would you want to hear from Brian Harry or Jeff Beeler, or would you want to hear from other Team System MVPs like Steve Borg or, or anyone else out there in the Team System community whose name you know? You tell me who you want us to hear from at radiotfs at gmail.com. And I'll take, we'll take the majority, the, whoever gets the most votes. And I promise I will go after them as hard as I can to get them on the podcast because there's so much cool stuff coming in team system. And I'd love to, to bring y'all the people that are actually building it like we've done in the past and keep doing that so that we keep providing y'all the best information that we can. So I just thought of that and just wanted to throw it out there. Cool. Hey, can I mention, again, another topic close to my heart in 2010, which is the build stuff? You can. So the build stuff, again, if you thought the difference between 2005 and 2008 in terms of build was pretty major, they've done it again between 2008 and 2010. It's crazy. Really? Oh, so... First of all, the thing that everybody like you know is like a thing that people know about is that builds can be based on workflow on dubf. So rather than having to you know hack around with angle brackets to get things to work, they've got a nice little graphical editor that you can do things, which is cool. Well, you know that's cool. Another thing that's quite cool actually is that you don't have to. If you know if you want to go the dubf route, then you can, and that's the route that you're kind of encouraged into with the IDE. But you can just as easily point it to your existing, you know, MS build configurations, or you can create new MS build configurations just fine, and that's perfectly acceptable. Um, and that's actually how you know builds that get upgraded from 2008 will go into will become you know as they go into 2010 there'll be MS build ones. Um, but no, that that was amazing. So that's cool. But now they've got this dubf thing. They've got this notion of um, parallel builds and things. So you can actually kick off. A, <laughs> this is just starting to blow my mind at possibilities. And um, they've got a proper notion of uh, build controllers now. So what kind of was a build agent before is now really a build controller. And a build controller controls a number of build agents, and a build agent being a server that builds stuff. So you have these build controllers all controlling the build. You can um, say, you know, g- you know, give me a build agent, give me the next available build agent. So if you've got ten build agents in your in your uh, in your under your build controller, you know, it can just give you the one that's available, and you, so you can have like ten builds running in parallel if you wanted to, for, you know, of different build types. Not only that, say if you've got um, like our build process, um, compiling takes long enough, running unit tests takes quite a long time, you know, 
Um, and obviously, we need to have compiled before we can run the unit test against stuff. Um, but then we've got like uh, things like documentation. And then we've got performance tests. And then we've got generating installers and generating ISO images and, you know, firing up uh, virtual PCs and stuff. All stuff that happens as part of a build. Um, but currently, that all happens in one big sequential thing. You know what I mean? A big sequential blob. Right. What, what you can do with in 2010, you can, you can actually have that going on in parallel. So while on one machine, you're doing, say, the build and then running the unit tests, on another machine, you could kick off... Comp- com- generating of the documentation because that doesn't need a, com- a compile to, to be done. I'm like, oh! <laughs> so already you've halved the time for a build to go, you know, by doubling the, the computers. And then you've got um, uh, you know, you could you could also drop that stuff and then while that's building, you know, and you report back a result, you asynchronously go and actually do all the other things which take a bit longer, but you've now got some unit test results back and some code coverage results back and things. So it's amazing. Oh, it's all good cool. stuff. And I've got one more thing to throw in there. Oh, no, two more go things. Ahead. Sorry about this. I'm just quite excited about this. <laughs> it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> so which one am I going to take first? Which one's coolest? One that's quite cool, which is um, is the notion of gated check-ins and body builds. So you, we know Microsoft have internally used this. Uh, they call it gauntlet, but it's a gated check-in. So basically, rather than checking in um, files into trunk, because they've got so many people, Say, you know, I don't know, 500 people, whatever, working on it. The average developer might break the build, you know, a really good developer might break the build one day in a year. But with 500 people working on a product, the build's broken twice, you know, twice a day all of a sudden. So what they do is they have a notion of gated check-ins. So before something can get committed into the main build, um, it actually, it shelves the changes into a shelf set and then runs the build on a little, you know, it takes the main line of code, merges in the shelf set, runs a build with that shelf set and the main line of code. If everything passes, then it commits that shelf set into trunk for you. And that's actually now a feature in 2010. Gated check-ins out of the box, just there. So that's pretty cool. The final thing about build that I want to mention that's just amazing is um, it's integrated with symbol server and source server support. So you can be, um, for any build, you can be, you know, debug, you can have the debug symbols pointing up against your symbol server and you can actually, you know, debug against what was in that code base. You don't have to, you don't have to download the code and, uh, you know, compile it locally and be debugging, you know, debugging it in Visual Studio like you would have done. You can still, you're still debugging in Visual Studio, but you're pointing against the actual real symbols and real, and the source that was right. built for that app, for those binaries, so it's it stored there. So uh, yeah, that's just crazy. So all good stuff. Well, they're like like we like we said, there's a ton of stuff that's come out of PDC, ton of it. Well, I had something um, I wanted to touch on before we we wrap things up, but that takes us away from PDC a little bit. So I wanted to to give you and Paul, if you had any more comments that you wanted to make about what's come out of PDC, do it now. Well, the one thing I just have to say is get the CTP and start playing with it, um, and especially from the, the development tools. Um, the one thing that I was really excited about was the two things, and, and this was in our, our um, podcast about the developers, was um, the historical debugger and the standalone debugger. So if, if from a development point of view, I find those two to be pretty cool. Uh, again, all the other tools that we've talked about, the architect tools, test tools, and things like that, um, are, are definitely, you know, must-sees. So get out there, play with the CTP, provide feedback, 
and then help you know help to drive the direction of the product. And I've got a couple more features in version control that I've just got to talk about. If that's okay. Go for it. I know we're, I know we're running out of time. It's um, so as well as the the branch visualization stuff, they've got the ability to. Uh, track the changes across branches. So if you're looking at history or, or in annotate, you can actually, you know, you don't just see this was merged at such and such a time. You can actually go into that merge and see where that came from in terms of the parent branch. Cool. There's finally the last thing I'm going to mention is, um, oh no, I'm going to mention a couple of things. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can roll back in the UI now, finally. So um, people have been asking for this for a while. You can actually, yes, first have. class, yeah, you can actually say, yeah, roll this change back, please, and it will create a new change set for you, just like the power tool works, really. Well, that's good. Yeah, exactly. And then, don't know about you, but um, I've had some times where I've been doing conflict resolution, and it's been an absolute pain, because it brings up, you know, this modal dialog box. And there was one time I had, oh, it was a ridiculous number. It was like 100 conflicts I had to resolve. And um, they were all, had practically the same, like, thing I had to do. You know, I wanted to accept my version rather than the server version or something like that. And I had to go on every single one, one by one, go through. It just took ages. Now... Conflict resolution is actually it's, it's more of an asynchronous workflow. You can um, you don't get a big modal dialog, a big ass modal dialog box popping up in your face that you can't get rid of. Um, it's it's just appears as an extra tab in the pending changes view, um, and you can oh, go sweet. through. Yeah, 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 and you can go through one by one, sort out your conflicts, and then you know, and then check in. It's much more natural. That's where you you know you're trying to get a check in ready to go in. So yep. So did they redo the diff viewer? No, not yet. I wish they oh. would. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was hoping. Darn it. Yeah, well, so. I use the Eclipse one, so it's not too bad. If, if anyone wants a free diff viewer, you can, uh, you can, you know, use the third party. You can hook up to external diff merge tools, and I'd recommend uh, there's a free one that my parent company do, SourceGear, SourceGear diff merge, and that, that I use that one personally because it's it's actually quite good. It does good folder diff as well, which is quite handy, so you can compare two folders and see what's different. Cool. Well, I had one other thing I wanted to talk about before we wrapped up this podcast. And again, I know I've already mentioned Team Prize once, but now that it's been officially talked about, I can I can mention it, and that's the Team Prize Remote Accelerator. So if if you've if you've ever used the Team Foundation Server proxy, the point of the pro- Team Foundation Server proxy is to speed up remote teams access to your team foundation server, specifically to the version control. So if you had a team on the East Coast and a team on the West Coast, if your team foundation server is located on the West Coast, then your guys on the East Coast, it's going to take a lot longer to pull things up from the version control system. So you would install the proxy server in the East Coast to speed up that access. But you're going to find times where if you've got a lot of remote developers, like me, I'm remote from my Notion office, accessing the Team Foundation server can be slow, or accessing multiple servers for my different clients can be slow, and I don't want to go buy another box to put in my, my home office here that's going to run the proxy server. So, Martin, since it's your company, I'll let you give the spiel. What's Remote Accelerator going to do for me? <laughs> Thanks. This is completely complete surprise to me. I would have been much too modest to, to talk about this. Way. But, yeah, cool. Thank you, Mickey. So, um, Remote Accelerator is, um, you can think of it like a personal proxy server. Um, it's uh, it sits in your you know your little system tray down at the bottom there, um, and it acts like a Team Foundation server a proxy. You just configure it the same in Visual Studio, um, and it, it's a tool we've been using internally for oh a while now, about a year I would say. Um, you know we've been using it for a good good while because it it speeds things up enormously, especially if you're doing um, 
things like uh, branches and merges and you know you you're getting files to a couple of places on your local system or maybe um you've got a virtual pc that's talking to tfs uh, you know to a real tfs server maybe you've got a couple of those and you know you keep downloading the same files over and over um you don't need to you know the proxy server will will cache them locally so when you download the files from the server rather than downloading them if you've already got them once it'll just give you them straight off your hard drive not only that, it actually um, pre-caches stuff. So if you, um, it listens for check-ins to paths that you tell it to, and it'll it, in the background it actually downloads those changes as they get checked into TFS, and your network's not doing anything. Um, it downloads them. So when you go and ask for them, they're already there on your machine, and so it just drops them straight in. It's really fast. It, it speeds things up enormously. So I yeah. had the, I had the opportunity to, to beta test it for a couple of months here before they announced it. And it is just, it is freaking cool. So if you do any kind of, if you're in a remote kind of situation, it's definitely, I mean, it's worth looking into. I, I can't remember if they've got a trial that you can download. Just yeah, to, they, to they download. They, they download so, them. But, yep. And again, I, I apologize for blindsiding Martin with this, yeah. but if, if you go, if you go try it out, I think you'll, you'll find that, that is, that's one of the best tools out there that I've found that just really made me go, wow, that has increased my productivity. So cool. Thank you, Mickey. Well, I tell you what, as we've as we've um, well, let's give the listeners something back then, as if you know, as if sat there and listened to the spiel. Uh, so, if anyone, um, I think I'll give away a free license to Remote Accelerator. How about that? To, to one of our lists. So it's it's ninety nine dollars, but yeah, we'll, we'll get one. I'll get I'll get one sorted. If we if you write to uh, radio tfs at gmail dot com, and in uh, how many words should we do this? We'll do like. An imaginative use where you're going to use remote accelerator in in what remote scenario? Hundred words or less. A hundred words or less. Tell me how you're going to use um, uh, remote accelerator, and then we'll we'll uh, pick. Um, I'll get Mickey and Paul to to pick their favourite winner, and we'll we'll, we'll uh, give that person a free copy of the remote accelerator from Team Price. Sweet. Thanks, Martin. Oh, no, thanks. Thanks for letting me talk about it. All right. Well, that kind of wraps us up here, and we've got. More episodes in the queue that we'll be bringing you where we'll probably be delving into a lot more detail and what's in the CTP and what's coming in 2010. We'll start delving more into all the new stuff that's coming in TFS. It's going to be an exciting, you know, next 12, 18 months. So I, I can't wait to bring you all this new stuff. I know Martin and Paul can't wait either. So do you have any final things you'd like to say before we wrap up? I like to hear from the um, from our listeners. If they go to and download the CTP, it's a big download. It'll take take a while to download. We'll we'll provide a link in the show notes. But if you can let us know what your um, what your favourite feature is about the CTP, but also what feature you really don't get yet, um, and we'll tell the people what your favourite feature is. We'll talk to the team and tell them. But we'll also get the person on on the phone who's in, who's responsible for the feature you don't understand and get them to explain it to us. How about that? That's great. What about you, Paul? Uh, for me, I will. Uh, I would. I would um, really strongly suggest that the listeners let us know what they want to hear about. Like, like was said, you know, yeah. Tell us, you know, tell us what what features are cool in the CTP. Download it, but also, what do you want to hear about from from Team System or or, or uh, Team Foundation Server? What other topics? I mean, it doesn't have to focus on the CTP or 2010. What are you doing today? Do you got problems today in your organization? That you, your questions that you'd like us to try and tackle. You know, let us know at radio, radio TFS at gmail.com. Um, and we'll be happy to answer those questions and try to help you with any issues you might have or talk about, uh, any of the current SKUs that you're using today. 
And Paul makes a good point. There are plenty of people out there that are using 2008, and there's still a good number of people that are using 2005. So while we do like to love, as MVPs, to talk about the cutting-edge stuff, we'll be glad to try to answer questions about the what's going on now or even the previous versions. So as Paul said, hit us up at radiotfs at gmail.com. Well, I'm Mickey Gousset, and on behalf of Paul and Martin, I want to thank you for listening to us again. Good luck with all your team system stuff that you have going on, and we'll talk to you again really soon.